0: Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going back there. And uh, I want you to just think about a theme here Just born out of the message from this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 the Bible says there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. I want you to write some references down. I want you to follow along and mark these in your Bible. Let's take to heart what God has said and see the wisdom behind this. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. The Bible says in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes and verse 6, "...better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit." We think the path to true joy and happiness and all these things is abundance, excess even. We just want more and more and we don't realize that most of the time in life true joy comes from not having more things It comes from having more time with God. More time to reflect. More time to appreciate what we already have. Really, in that regard, less is more. We want so much. We're just so unsettled, discontented with what we have. That's human nature. That's the old nature of sin that says, things is what will make my life better. Bigger things, better life. But the Bible says a man's life consisteth not, that means it's not made up, it's not held together, it's not given depth and definition by the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Think of that the abundance of things. Well, the Bible says better's a handful with quietness. Proverbs speaks of uh, just. Bread, it'd be better just to have some bread to eat instead of a steak with all kinds of strife, you see? What price do we pay to have more? What price do we pay to keep up with others? What price do we pay because we live this way? Hey, I owe it to myself. I have faced this or gone through that and I've paid this price I deserve it. So we've got to be careful. Oftentimes that's the opposite of being grateful for the Lord's goodness in our lives and what He has provided, what He has blessed us with. I think of this, and the Bible says better is a handful with quietness. Quietness. I want you to underline that. There's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. Quietness. We're coming back here to Ecclesiastes. You can hold your place, but look with me here in the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians for a moment. I want you to see this verse and make sure you know where it's at in your Bible. Underline it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you'll turn there. And let's look together at verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. God will sustain you. God will provide you. You'll have all that you need if you will walk humbly and honestly before God. So rather than thinking that life is about greater volume or even vice, whatever it takes to get ahead at all costs, You've got to consider the long-term cost to your sanity, your peace of mind, your tranquility of heart and spirit. Because the Bible says it'd be better for us to study to be quiet. The word study, there's an interesting word. It has a thought of having an ambitious pursuit, like this is a notable thing to pursue. One writer said to intimate that we should pursue quiet with the like degree of esteem. Desire and labor as men do honor, dignity, and power, which are the objects of ambition. This is an ambitious pursuit. It's like, wow, there is a blessing in this. This is something that is golden that God has said will bring reward to my life. I'm going to set out to be quiet. (laughs) Amazing. The word quiet literally means to be still as in refraining at times from labor and or speech. Study to be quiet, study to gather yourself, to calm yourself, to rest before the Lord, not just being called up in all kinds of activity and things that are pursuits of this life alone at the expense of inward peace of heart and mind. Be careful about that. There's a time when we just bite our tongue even, And refrain from speaking. Refrain from feeling like we've got to chime in on everything or be a part of everyone's conversation. I think that's an amazing truth there, don't you? Study to be quiet and do your own business. Work with your own hands. Walk honestly. Think about it. You can't control what's going on in the world. You can't control what's going on in everyone's life. I read of a preacher one time when he was a young pastor. He said, we're going to reach the whole world with the gospel. And then it's like, well, hopefully we can reach this country after some years. And then, well, we're going to reach our state. And, and then as the years pass, it's like, well, hopefully we can make an impact upon our city. And then after a number of years passing, pastoring, he had a little sign on his desk saying, Lord, help me to reach just one. Lord, if I could just reach one. So many times we're thinking out there when really it starts in here. Out from our hearts of faith and obedience before God. Do your own work with your own hands. Do what God's given you. Sometimes if we're not careful, yes, we want to reach the world. We want the Gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Yes, we want to start here. We want to reach our city. We want to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our region, and then into the uttermost parts of the earth. But you know, that comes with prayer and planning and preparation and training people and sending people out. It's just like partnering with these missionaries. They're going where we're not going. They're going where many of us will never go. But we're going to the uttermost parts through them and partnering with what God has put in their heart to do, do you see? But think about it, will another year pass? And those of us who've known the Lord for a long time have not consistently given out the gospel in a week's time, in a month's time, in a quarter's time, in six months time, in 12 months time? I think the local church is a gathering of people, if we're not careful, who are religious in as much as that's our background, that's our experience, that's where we've been, that's all that we know. And we think it's just about going to church and doing the good things or the right things. And and here or there we may speak up for the Lord or not. Normally it's not. And then just as long as we're kind of doing those things that we're accustomed to doing that's a part of our upbringing or our past, we think we're okay. As commendable as that is, That's not the New Testament pattern for the local church. Yes, we need to at least have that, I trust. That's a good place to start, but it's not a good place to stay. That's the point. God wants us to move forward. But so many times we're not, we don't value what we have. We don't see what we have. We don't use what we have and take one step at a time. We want to take such huge steps. We want to go so far that we end up going nowhere. What's the work God's given us? What are we going to do with it in an honorable way to pursue it with our whole hearts? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 30. We're headed back to Ecclesiastes, but these are some verses that I want you to see in your Bible so you can know where they are. Because this is a verse, Isaiah chapter 30, that I've read many times through the years, especially this whole chapter, that has brought me great comfort in times of need. And I've read through here, Isaiah has been used of the Lord, this book of the Bible, to help me in some even deep waters. But I think about what we read, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Wow, submission. Submission. Faith, trust, resting in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? God said, if you just come back to me, I will give you rest. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. You know, we're looking for the spectacular. We're looking for this. You know, churches are really, I I mean a dime a dozen as it were, they pop up here and they've got a charismatic personality and people rally around that until that kind of runs its course and then another one raises up, then people rally around that and, and then it just kind of continues the same cycle through the years and it's just a, a gathering of really the same people as it were over a period of time and a, a redistribution thereof and yet there's a whole community without the gospel. No one with a game plan, no one with a strategy to reach that city. And we're thinking well if God wants them to be saved they'll be saved. If if God wanted to bless our church more and see more people saved he would do it. But in the meantime we're going to be faithful. And I ask this question as I have through the years. Faithful at what? Faithful at what? Well God just called me to be faithful. I agree with that but faithful at what? Faithful to sit on a pew? He didn't say anything about that. He's called us faithful to be faithful to His house, faithful to walk with Him, but faithful to go, faithful to give out the Gospel. As we go about going into all the world and preach the Gospel unto every creature as you're going, as you're living your life. At the drive through at the bank, in the community, in the neighborhood. Do you see? So many times we're missing that. Christians are not fruitful in their own realm that God has given them their day-to-day life, and we're looking for something more, you see? It's got to be something greater than that, something with greater uh, grandeur or, or appeal to us. And yet it's just the simple obedience that God is looking for in each of our lives. Back in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, notice what we read in verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter Anything before God. Would you underline that? Before God everything we're saying is before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Would you underline that? See we think there's a strength in volume and quantity whereas God puts the premium upon just speaking less but saying more. The emphasis should be on quality, words that edify, that build up, that honor the Lord, that instruct, that equip, that help others. Let thy words be few, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business. The thought there is normally what we dream about is what we're somehow involved in or working with or thinking about. That kind of triggers a lot of dreams, and sometimes dreams can be amazing things, and, and I told someone today, I said, I dreamed all night. I, I dreamed for a little while and then I'd wake up and I'm like, whoa, where am I? What time is it? And then I doze back off and I dream all over again. Anybody have those kind of nights every once in a while? I mean, all night long, I dreamed. And then I woke up and I'm thinking, wow, I'm glad the night's over with. I'm tired. Those dreams wore me out. And sometimes they can be so real. Isn't that Amazing. And sometimes I I used to think they were so mysterious. I'm thinking, why am I dreaming about this? And why am I dreaming about that? And and all these type things. And then I read this verse here. and If you'll study, it's like so much of what is in our subconscious, what we dream about is somehow correlated or connected into the very activities of our day-to-day lives. And that's what he's saying here. For a dream coming through the multitude of business And a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. What a statement. Would you read that with me again? A fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Now this is what God says here. Wow. No wonder he said, Study to be quiet. Well, this continues. Look into chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21. Also, that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee, for oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. He said, There's a time when you've got to be someone who is not overly sensitive. And you rise or fall based on every word that you hear said about you. Or someone passes along to you. There's a lot of things you just got to give to God. Take in stride and go on. Because there's sometimes when you've spoken out a term yourself. Is what he's saying here. There's sometimes when you've said things you shouldn't say, There's sometimes when you responded and uh, you gave your opinion when really you didn't have the facts or the information, and so you spoke out of turn, that's not to excuse it, but it's to understand it and put it in proper context. Don't jump on every word that someone else says. Perhaps they are speaking amiss, saying things they shouldn't, but there are times when you've done likewise, So don't be someone who is just, oh, did you hear this? Oh, did you know that? I mean, I heard it with my own ears. Well, what if people heard you say? It's amazing how people can really be so keen about what people say about them, but not keen what they say about others. It's like there's a disconnect there. And the Bible says we need to be mindful of this. See, this is all in the context of our speech Knowing that there's a time to speak, there's a time not to speak. And how to process these things before the Lord and in our own hearts and minds. Notice chapter 10 verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Now that's pretty amazing. He just said that A fool's voice is known by multitude of words. It's just going on and on and on so many times. Have you ever been around someone who knows it all, but after listening to them for a little while, you realize they don't know much? You ever been around someone like that? So it's not wise to talk like we know it all when we really don't. I think it's interesting here. He says... The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. (laughs) He'll dig a hole and fall in it by his own words and not even realize it. So oftentimes he's trying to lay a trap or dig a hole for someone else, but they end up falling in it themselves. That's what the Bible says. What we often intend for others comes back on our own heads, just like it did in Haman's day with Mordecai and Esther. The beginning of words, the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is mischievous madness. Isn't it amazing? They never learn. They open their mouth without thought, without regard to give an account of God. The power of their words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They just think I I I Think it, I say it, or I say it, then I think about it. But either way, I am who I am, and I'm just going to call it like I see it. I'm going to say what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. Well, the Bible says it doesn't get better. They don't normally start that way and end up gracious and wise and and humble. No, they get more emboldened in what they say, and it ends up in mischievous madness. Isn't that amazing, that expression there? I, I mean, it's just like they're, they're digging in a well to where there's no water. And, and they just go again and again. And they're like, well, if I dig further enough, if I go deep enough, I'll find it somewhere. And it's like, it's not there. It's not there. And then they just drive themselves crazy because they're always going down a path that is of little to no return of good or value to them or anyone else. No wonder God says, now be careful what you say, because verse 14 declares, a fool also is full of words. Remember, he said, let your words be few. A fool, a fool in the Bible is not someone who is intellectually deficient, like they're just not capable of learning. A fool in the Bible is someone who is so full of himself or herself, they act as though there's no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And you can say that either directly or you can say that practically by the way you live your life and the words you say to other people. Like, I'm not worried about giving account to God for what I'm about to say, or how I'm going to treat people, or how I'm going to cast aspersions, or uh, indict them, or doubt them, or somehow slander them even. I'm not even worried about that. They don't realize there's so much more going on in their own heart they're blinded to. And that's why we should pray tonight, God, give me your heart. Show me mine. Why do I say what I say? Why do I feel like I have to chime in? Why do I cast dispersions on people? Why do I feel like it's just a verbal battle in life that has to be won every day between me and others? The Bible says a a fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? You can't tell him anything. Like I said this morning, some people don't listen to understand, they listen to respond. I'm sure we've all been guilty of that. Quick to answer, quick to respond. You think you know what they're saying and so you're ready to answer and it's like, hey, here, let me tell you. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. It's like, well, this is the way I, I, I'm hearing it, but that's not what I'm saying. Listen. Be careful in that time. Understand them. I remember a young man saying something to me one time that at the surface I took exception with. And I thought, you know, that's just, I don't need to hear that. But then I thought, well, wait. Let me try to see it from his angle and his perspective what he's saying, where he's coming from. And you know what? I was instructed through that. I learned something the way I was coming across at times in the way I was saying certain things. And I thought, Lord, I needed that check in my own heart. See, the fool goes on and utters his his whole mind and just says, well, no, I'm just going to say what I want to say. But a wise man, well, he'll take it to heart. It's like, hey, when he's reproved, he'll receive instruction. And he'll love the one who helps instruct or correct them even. The Bible says some people, you can't tell them anything. And it don't matter what you say because they're going to do what they're going to do because they have concluded that their opinion matters most and yours doesn't matter at all. Now I'll tell you, if you're going to live your life in just wrangling one opinion against another, you're, you're even on the wrong ball field altogether. It doesn't even matter if you win that game. Cause where the real game of life, as it were, is being played, is not on that little league field that you should have graduated from a long time ago. You're in the big leagues now, and what you say, your words have weight. And while you're over there wrangling with my opinion, your opinion, you know, yada yada yada, and as long as I can put you in your place, and then I can make sure everybody knows that I'm right, and all that, while you're playing that little game over here, there's a lot of people have honest questions. And they'd really like to have some honest answers. And a lot of them are from this generation. They'd like to be able to know why we believe what we believe. They'd like to ask some honest questions without us being threatened or intimidated and feel like all we've got to do is kind of put them in their place. They're just proud. They don't know what they're talking about. My heart goes out to young people who've had honest questions, but there are those who looked at them, well, that's, they're just a rebel. That's what uh, he is. That's what she is. They don't believe God. They're not right with God. You know, and if they were right with God, they'd just trust God with all this. I'll tell you, that kind of religious Phariseeism and self-righteousness and and pride has, has killed a lot of young people who could have done something for God with their lives. Because some people thought, well, it's, it's opinions prevailing here, and I'm going to talk over you, and I'm going to talk you down, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk you out of ever asking the question again. I've told you about this message I went to years ago that was like a controversial cultural theme that was being addressed and and uh, some young people got on a bus from a local university and were bussed over to this service and uh, the news media was there and there's all kinds of things going on afterwards these teenagers these college students were out in the parking lot and uh, and I'm telling you they were raising all objection and and questions and there were some people out there just trying to shout back at them and trying to shout them down and and then I just remember the whole parking lot it people just walled people. And I walked out among them and just kind of getting in the midst of it as a young man, as a young preacher. And I thought, wow, look at all this. And so I'm moving among people and I walk up and, and uh, it's like these uh, college students have this older gentleman cornered and he feels like the only thing he can do is kind of shout them down and his way out of that. And I felt sorry for him. And so I stepped up. I said, hey, what's going on here? I said, "Well, we've got some questions we're asking this fellow, but he don't want to answer them. All he wants to tell us is how wicked we are, and ungodly we are, and where we're going." And uh, but we got some honest questions. I said, "Well, what are they?" They started asking them, and I started answering them from the Bible. And then one young man stepped up and he said, "Well, what about thus and such?" And I said, "Well," and I gave him an answer. And then he said, well, "What about such?" And so I gave him an answer. And the third time he spoke up, his friends said, hey, be quiet, man. He knows what he's talking about more than you do. That's the way it happened. And then he kind of aggravated, just kind of <laughs> went on. But others kind of gathered around and closed the ranks and started asking me questions, and I was answering them. And here's what one young lady said. She said, I don't know if I believe fully all that you've said here about these things. But I can tell you this, if there were more people in there and she pointed at the church like you who are willing to talk to us and answer our honest questions, there'd be less people like us out here in this parking lot. That's what she said. i never forget that. I was up in Boston, greater Boston area, up there where D.L. Moody was born. And we were there seeing the house where he lived his Bibles and things. And then up on the hill is where he's buried, him and his wife. And, and we had gathered up there. And at the time it was a boarding school for high school students. And these young people walked by and they said, excuse me, sir, could you tell me uh, what who y'all are and what are y'all, y'all are doing on campus today? And I told them, I said, we're a group of pastors from North Carolina. We've come up here to study the life of D.L. Moody. And they said, Who? I said, D.L. Moody. They said, who's that? And I said, well, he's the one who lived in this house right here. They said, well, we've never heard that. I said, actually, him and his wife are buried right here behind us. They said, always wondered who was buried up there. And I said, so you're telling me you've never heard his name even, though he founded this school years ago. Never heard of him. Now, I thought that was amazing. Never heard of him. And so they started asking me questions. They said, all right, well, if you're a preacher, could we ask you some questions? I said, sure. Now, remember, the Bible says, be ready always to give people an answer for the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear, with the right attitude, with the right spirit. They started asking me questions. And man, I'll tell you what, I, I truly felt like Paul on Mars Hill because they started gathering around. Other kids, hey, what's going on? You know, they started walking up and saying, well, hey, what about this? And they would chime in and ask a question, and I would answer them, and they would say, one would say, well, I'm a Christian. Another one would say, well, this, this, my friend here, she's a a non-believer, and then my friend here, she's a Wiccan. And so we just believe in all kinds of forms of belief, and whatever, you know, you feel like is uh, your belief, that's okay. And so I was just very kind and gracious and gave them the gospel. A young man stepped up and said, well we've got a professor here who said that he studied all the main religions of the world and they basically say the same thing. And I said, well let me tell you about a man who not only uh, healed the sick and raised the dead but he arose from the grave himself. Let me tell you what he said. And I've got their attention. And they're all listening. I said, that man said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I said, now this man is not just any man. Because no one else has healed the sick and raised the dead and even overcame the grave like this man. This man, Christ Jesus. I said, take what he said and put alongside by by what your professor said and make your choice. You decide who you're going to believe. And they were like, Really? I said, God's not going to force himself on you. I said, but if you're going to think these things through and understand what the truth is, you're going to have to be open to receive it. I was flying to a meeting one time. I sat down beside a man and uh, he said, I'm so and so and I work thus and such. And he said, what's your name? And I told him, I said, I'm a pastor. He said, a pastor? He said, man, this is awesome. He said, I've got some questions I want to ask you. Is that all right? <laughs> I said, sure. And he told me about a book that he'd been reading. And it, it was kind of like some uh, spiritual type things that that book touched on. He said, Tell me what you think about this book. And so I commented on a few things. And then I just, I just brought it back to the gospel and our need for the Lord, the truth of his word, and, and all those type things. And I just gave the gospel to him the whole time. He's very respectful. And I had a track with me. I gave it to him. And when the flight landed, uh, we enjoyed talking to each other. And I appreciated his time and his courtesy. And and, uh, I just said, if I can ever help you, let me know. He walked away. And then some guys came up to me where we were gathering our luggage. And uh, they said, hey, did that guy get saved that you was witnessing to? I said, well, I don't know. He was open. I said, I I don't know that he uh, has called on the Lord. But I'm praying that he will. So we're going to be praying for him because we were sitting two rows back. And all of us were listening to you witness to him. And we were praying for you that God would give you the words of and that God would open his heart. You see that? I'm telling you, there's a lost and dying world. But if we learn how to just entreat them and be respectful toward them. Now there are times when, hey, there are people been defiant. And I mean they've taken God to task. They've blasphemed the Lord. The Bible talks about that. There's a time to be compassionate and kind and loving. And there's a time to just say right up, repent or perish. You can blaspheme God all you want, but you're going to meet Him one of these days. And if you don't repent and turn to Christ for forgiveness of your sin, there's no hope for you in eternity. The Bible says the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. As sure as there's a heaven, there is a hell. I'm just telling you tonight, how long has it been since we engaged someone with the gospel? I was in Australia riding uh, like a train, you know, like a tram. It was not underground, it was Uh, just above ground and we were headed to another place, another city. And we got in this car there and same thing, this guy just speaks up. Says, are you a preacher? And I said, I sure am. He said, could I ask you a couple questions? Here I start talking to this guy, but then I realized that everybody in that car is listening. So I speak up a little bit louder. And I just go through the gospel. Give the gospel. Listen, I don't know what became of that, but I can tell you what, God's Word will not return void. See, we're so concerned about everything chiming in on it. When's the last time you chimed in on the gospel? When's the last time you witnessed to someone? When's the last time you talked to someone? There are a lot of people who have just simply honest questions. Answer them. Don't feel threatened by them. Don't be intimidated by them. Because the world out there says, oh bring your honest question to us. we got an answer for you. And they'll receive them gladly. So many times they feel alienated from the church because all we want to do is put them in their place. But oftentimes that's just a front because we don't know how to answer the questions they have. May God speak to us. There's so many people. Think about what God says. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what should be. And what shall be after him? Who can tell him? See, a lot of people, they don't want to hear you, you can't reason with them. You can't help them. But that's not everybody. There are people who will listen. There are people who want to hear. There are people who will receive what God's Word says. And I'm thankful that I was one of them and how God worked in my life. Remember from Proverbs, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than him. We've got to be measured with what we say. Know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Think of that. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And let me close with one verse in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10. Verse 19, the Bible says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Sometimes the more you talk and the more you go on about something, the more likely you are going to end up sinning somewhere, either criticizing someone or doubting them or calling something in question, going on and digging a hole and saying things that should not be said. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there lacketh not sin. At some point, you talk and talk and talk, and you've said enough, but then you go beyond that and you've said too much. Now you've sinned. Now, what would happen tonight if we would say, Lord, I want to give you myself anew, I want to give you my life, but you said that my body and my spirit are yours, so Lord, I want to give you my thoughts anew, but I want to give you my words. We all have room for improvement. He that refraineth his lips is wise. The Bible says, The tongue of the just is as choice silver, the heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want or lack of wisdom. It's amazing. The Bible has much to say about our speech. But God puts a premium, study to be quiet, puts a premium. It should be an ambition of ours. It should be something that we greatly strive toward and and receive in life and feel like, hey, God has blessed us because He's helping me to know what to say and not, when and not, how or not, to who or not. Isn't that amazing? May God give us discernment in these days. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.